The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show today. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Really appreciate it. This is The Power to Create Yourself, and I am Ross Rameen. Uh, we are coming to you from Los Angeles, California, at the Rebos Treatment Center, as we do each and every week. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. As as normal, um, or which is becoming normal for us, is we have another, I call it client files, um, on, and we have people on with various stages of sobriety, um, various stages of life that are... Um, that are really walking the walk, and today we have um, we have a great guest. His name is Jay. Jay, how uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, you got it, man. Great to be here. Thanks um, for having me. What is how much time do you got now? I will have three years next month. Really? Yeah. Wow. Seems longer than that. I remember when you first came in, your knee was all jacked up. Yeah. You I went had, you went through would you you went through knee surgery while you were in treatment, correct? The day I got out of rehab, the next day I had knee surgery. I was living in the so one yeah. sober living, yeah. Wow. And then ACL and meniscus. Woo. Yeah, so the first three, four months of my sobriety were 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 hampered by the fact that I couldn't move or do anything, and then mm-hmm. I was in a lot of pain. I didn't take any pain medication. Mm-hmm. Just um, stuck with Tylenol, Advil for the most part, I if you needed it. Advil for the first two days, and then nothing. I'm, I'm, and I don't necessarily advocate this or anything, but I'm a all or nothing person. I know. So I, <laughs> I went with nothing instead of all of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it though. But you had something to keep the edge off for the first day or two, and yeah. then you just kind of. I just dealt with it. I probably I have a high threshold for pain anyway, and I just, I mean wasn't necessary mm-hmm. but it was it, the more the the physical pain i had no problem with it was the pain of not being able to do anything and a lot just of people, the inactivity yeah a lot of people enjoy that enjoy sitting on the couch doing nothing i don't i especially and i had i had it was a fairly this relapse had only been about three or four months and i had just about a year sober right before that so i wasn't too torn up coming back and i really wanted to get into it and dive into both my recovery and back into my active life and and the knee surgery kind of put that on hold, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Because when learned, you look back at it, yeah. you totally think it was a blessing. People kept telling me, like my my uh, AA sponsor were telling me, "What a, this is a blessing in disguise. You're gonna learn something for this. You need this." And I was like, "You know, fuck you. Shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear this. I want to get out and I want to start training again." Um, and in hindsight, it was absolutely a blessing. I learned a lot of patience. I learned to be able to sit comfortably in my own 
skin by myself for long periods of time. Now, if I can't have nothing to do for a day or a rainy weekend or something, it's nothing. I just went through, you know, I did it for four months straight already. So a day or two is nothing. No, that's an incredible way to put it. It really is. What? Let's get back. I, I want to get back to the to the sitting with yourself in a second. I, what is what, what was your drug of choice? Heroin, probably heroin and cocaine. But I mean, benzos, alcohol. Uh, what, I mean, what when you were you snorting it? Were you shooting it up? What would you like to do? Yeah, I would shoot. Shoot. Yeah, heroin, coke, heroin. Yeah, I was. I spent. I also spent thirteen years on methadone. Um, you spent 13 years on methadone? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, when I was 24 years old, I, I'd been in and out of detox and rehabs literally over 50 times. I tried AA, not really, but I thought I had tried it. I really thought there was no other option, so I decided to try out a methadone clinic. And it wasn't until 13 years later that I finally had the balls to fucking go through some discomfort and get off of it and live an actual full life that I was capable of. Wait, oh wow, this just took a whole nother turn that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> 13 years, you were on methadone. When did you start drinking and doing, when did you start, I mean. So I, st- I started drinking, I mean, I mean, the first time I got drunk, I was like nine years old at a Christmas party. Wow. Um, but I started drinking um, like just before high school and early in high, freshman year of high school, I think. And it, it progressed through high school into pills like uh, painkillers and stuff and benzos. And then after high school, got more into uh, a little bit into cocaine, still a lot of drinking. And then boom, I hit heroin and I was off and running with that. And then I started adding in... I, I was grew up on the East Coast in Boston, so it was powder heroin. So I started snorting it for a while, and then I, and I found the needle. And you know, my, the town I grew up in was all heroin addicts. So I, like literally, when I finally got on the methadone clinic, it took me two years of a waiting list to get on it. No and so many heroin addicts are in this town I grew up in. But um, so I, I knew of of them. I didn't want to be a heroin addict yet. Here I fucking am. You know what I mean? With the needle in my arm years later, um, and then. Once I got on methadone, the cocaine took off and that. At the very end, it was really shooting cocaine that took me down and a really bad overdose with it. But, um, yeah, it was, I was a mess. So you're 13 years on methadone. Um, I'm just writing this stuff down because the stats are just are pretty wild. First got drunk at nine. And then you're doing pain pills. Yeah. I started at the alcohol, went to the pain pills and benzos. When did you graduate high school? What year? 1993. 93, yeah. okay. Um, I graduated in 95. Isn't actually, that- I think I started smoking crack. Actually, it was, let me rephrase. We couldn't even get crack back in like nine, early 90s in, back in Boston. We, had a, I, we always had to buy powder and cook it ourselves. It was more free base, we called it. Yeah. Then years later. When You're I, adding a little water, a little baking soda? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. A little spoon and we cook it up ourselves. A couple years later when I finally stopped smoking crack and realized shooting cocaine was a lot better, then I had a hard time finding powder cocaine. Everyone was selling it already in rock form. So. What, <laughs> wait, so when did you start smoking crack? Probably like just after high school. Wow. 18, seven, eight, yeah. I didn't start, I, I didn't get, I didn't graduate to that level until I was like 29, 30. Well, that's old by LA standards. I mean, you see like 15 year olds in AA that have two years sober after being strung out on everything known to man. But we I, didn't have, you know, where I grew up, we didn't have pills. I mean, you get the kid that was like literally legitimately uh, prescribed Ritalin and I can't even think of one person there, but that was it. 
and I graduated high school in 95, so give or take about the same time as you. And it just, it wasn't around. We, yeah. There was wheat, there was booze, and you, and you did mushrooms. That was that. <laughs> and if you went to a dead concert, you could find something else. Um, maybe some whippets, too, nit- nitrous. But it just wasn't, it just, uh, smoking like, crack, yeah. well, like, that was in movies. I mean, that was a different, that was a different gig. Um, it's a different time for sure today. I, re- I remember back in like the mid to late 90s. But today, everybody goes right, you know, or even this is even getting past day, but Oxycontin was huge. And then they get went from that to heroin. I remember when Oxycontin first came out, I had already been into other, you know, Percocets and Vicodins and Oxycontin came out and my friend got him prescribed. This is probably the mid to late 90s. And he's like, this little pill is like taking 10 Percocets. I'm like, no fucking way. And we took them. We were fucking wasted. And we tried to sell them to people. We're like, we gotta, we're going to make a fucking fortune. And nobody would buy them. They're like, bullshit. We had to give these pills. We had to give Oxycontin away to people so they could figure out that they were legit. And then we started selling them afterwards. But the times change every Every so often, it's kind of yeah. kind of crazy. That's so, and it's also uh, geographically too. Absolutely. Where where did you grow up? I grew up in Chicago, so just oh. the north suburbs of Chicago. So it was a very predominant area, but you just didn't have that type of taboo stuff. And then it was weird. Right after I graduated, that like cocaine really started coming into the school, from what I hear, and heroin and all that. Like. It just wasn't, I mean, my my high school had a 99.9% success rate for kids going to a four-year school upon graduation. And we had over, we had over 900 people in my graduating class. So that's, it's a lot of people. Yeah. And so the big thing was, is, you know, the school I went to, it, they had huge success, even though we, I mean, our school was a lot of drug addicts. But not, but there's just, I guess, different flavors of drugs. It's funny because most of the people I know from Chicago aren't that smart. Yeah, right. <laughs> not not handsome like like the people from Boston That's area. Right. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Good God. Um, anyway, we're talking with Jay uh, this morning. Jay, you're uh, there's so much. Uh, Thirteen years on methadone. Uh, we got to get. I want to get, get to my my fighting career. I started my fighting career. My first professional MMA fight. I was. On methadone and well, let's get to that right now. You know, there's, you know, I've known you for the last coming on three years right now. You are the manager of one of one of the Rebo sober living houses. Mm -hmm. Um, You literally live in the house. Uh, I know you're not you're not technically 24 hours a day, but you are. Um, and you make sure that people are on time. They come home um, when they're supposed to. You're given drug tests. You're you're a mentor. You're a leader. Uh, you're you're kind of a you're kind of their good buddy, but you're also a person to um, to discipline. I, I don't like using that word, but it is what it is. Um, you're there to enforce the rules. Yeah, you're there to enforce the rules. So that's what your job is right now. But let's let's walk into a little bit of. You know, before we even get into your fighting career, because you're an MMA fighter, what you're an old man MMA fighter, by the way. <laughs> you're taking a dig at me. I'm going to take one at you. Good God. Um, what is what? How'd you get into treatment the last time? What 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 went down? What went down, and how are you being such a rock star now? So, okay. I had been, I had, like I said, I, you know, I was on methadone for a long time. Before that, I had been in and out of detoxes. So I had been trying to get, I, I knew I had a fucking problem. When I was waking up dope sick and going out and robbing people and stealing shit every day, I, I knew there was a problem. There was You're a, robbing people. Yeah, I mean, 
all, I mean, this was back in my, you're one of my early, early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> I don't live like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, I had to do a little jab at this. This is the best career. You know, working in our industry, we murderers, theft, grand larceny, grand theft auto, you name it. I got them working here. You know, I, people can work here. It's because it's more, it's just basically, it's a great resume right. for what we do. I was literally, I was, I was fucking crazy. I, I like. Even the even the the crazy fucking drug addicts like were like that kid's fucking crazy. Um, but I but, and again I'm 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 one ex- I'm always the extreme. So I'm uh, today I'm re- literally the exact opposite. I try to live with complete integrity in all my affairs. Like I really try not to do any of the. It, it's a it's a perfect blueprint. I just take everything I used to do and I do the exact opposite of it today. Basically. 100%. So it's uh, but so when I. F- first came out to California four and a half years ago it was probably when I, the first series well after the getting off methadone was the first serious attempt I made did you get off methadone here in LA no before uh back in Boston I was, I was living in Vegas I lived okay. in Vegas for four years before I came out here got it and I got off it and and then I came out so wait what happened it's kind of blurry my that whole timeline for me okay this is what happened I got off the methadone I was doing well um, I was fighting in Vegas. I had a fight, went well, and I went out to party afterwards. And this was after being off methadone. I was I w- wasn't completely sober, but I was doing well. And that party ended up lasting a lot longer than I than I wanted it to. Like not hours longer, like months longer. And um, oh. and I, I I didn't I didn't end up getting uh, get get another fight schedule that was kind of holding me together. And then um, my dad passed away. He drank himself to death, and kind of suddenly. I mean, I, I knew he had a drinking problem, but it was sudden that he died. And he let. I I didn't realize he even had money. He left me and my brother some money, not a ton of money, but enough. You know, I think it was like eighty thousand dollars each, enough to seriously fuck myself up for a few months in Las Vegas, especially. Yep. And um and I did, and I started that off. That could have been a nice little nest egg for the future, but you. Oh blew my it. god, it kills me to look back on it. I, and if I started out, it was so much fun. I was taking all my friends out in limos. We had a, I had a suite at the Golden Nugget, like two floors, mirrored ceilings, hot tub. It was it was amazing. After like two weeks, no one would even fucking hang out with me anymore. Even if I was buying all the drinks, all the drugs, paying for the limo and the hotel room. No one wanted to be around me. Because um, you were nuts. I was fucking nuts. Um, so my brother, who was still in Boston, actually was he – got, he got released from jail to go to a program. And he left the program. So he was – his parole was looking for him. He violated that. He came out to Vegas to, with me. And we both had all this money. And we went on a fucking tear. And – at the end of it, I was in, I was in this shitty hotel in North Las Vegas, locked in the bathroom. My brother was in the other part, and he heard, uh, heard the me hit the floor, and I had the door locked, so he had to kick down the door to get in. And he said he was, he saw me like kibbying out on the floor, shaking, foam at my mouth, eyes rolled back in my head. I had OD'd shooting cocaine. I was totally paranoid, freaking out on a sh- shot. You know, I always look for that little window just before I died, and I missed it by a millimeter, and actually almost died. So he, but he, so he thought I was dead, and he had to leave. He knew the police were coming. He had just kicked the door in, and he left. He thought he left his brother dead on the floor, and I don't even remember the next couple of weeks. But I obviously didn't die, and that put a little bit of a scare into me. It scared the shit out of my brother. He wouldn't even hang out with me after. He's like, Jay, I can't. I, I stay up at night puking with anxiety, knowing that you're gonna fucking die, and. That prompted me to, to come out to California and get some help. Wow. That was the start of it. 
Wow. We're we're talking with Jay uh, right now. He is our sober living manager here at Rebos, and he has got a hell of a story, um, which really makes you just such an you know a vital person for the role that you have here. I mean, it really is. You've been there. You've done it. Um, you know, you're you've gotten drunk at nine. You know what that's like. You have a parent that died. You know what that's like. Um, you have a parent that died that left you a little bit of money, not a ton, but enough to hang yourself, which sounds like you pretty much did. <laughs> you flirted with death. Um, you've been addicted to methadone. You've been addicted to multiple different drugs on multiple different levels. Um, and you have come out here to Los Angeles. Um, we touched a little bit on you had a surgery when you came out here that um, uh, on your knee to get that replaced. You did that pretty high and tight and classy. So, you know, what? that's like you are a very well-rounded um, person. You get it. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back. And I want to kind of get more into how you got yourself clean. And then obviously I want to hear the success behind it, what you do on a daily basis. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll be right back after this break. Um, you can find out more about our treatment program at rebostreatment.com. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. 
Um, we are back here talking with Jay, who's our sober living um, manager, and he's got one heck of a story. Um, he definitely has the resume of what not to do <laughs> in this world. <laughs> and obviously, we're going to get to what to do, because obviously, Jay, you're killing it. You really are. You're leading a life that's by example. You used to rob people. You used to steal from people. You are a straight-up drug addict from smoking crack, shooting heroin, shooting cocaine. Um, you have died I mean, on a bathroom floor in some creepy-ass hotel in North Las Vegas. Um, you know, it's every good drug addict should find their way and have some bad thing happen there to them. Um, walk me through you. Walk me through how you got sober now. I know, so let's pick up. Your brother, you're, you're, on, you're on the bathroom floor of a hotel in North Las Vegas, um, your your brother sees you convulsing, going out of control. He leaves. You wake up, obviously, in a hospital environment. You really don't remember it. Correct me if I'm wrong as I'm kind yeah, of replaying yeah. this a little bit. And what happens after all this? Do you go to treatment? So my run didn't end that that day. I honestly – I still have a poor memory from that. I am pretty sure it's from that one overdose. I had overdosed in the past, mostly on heroin. and wasn't nearly as violent and as traumatic to my brain. But So I don't remember for a couple weeks. Then I remember my brother telling me I also – OD'd on heroin like a couple weeks after that. I was I was just like out, didn't talk to anybody for a couple days, and then told him I woke up on my bedroom floor. Um, and then the 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 rest of my money, which I had I think a couple thousand dollars left, just completely ran out. And I was like, fuck, I now what? And so I, I came out to California for the first time to go to treatment. I went to detox and rehab down in Orange County. And I remember this is actually a big moment in my recovery. This decision, I wanted if the people in Orange County, was in San Clemente, were like, "Stay in San Clemente. They have good sober livings here. You'll love it. You don't want to go up to L.A. No way." And San Clemente was kind of this little bubble. I actually found a jujitsu gym there that I was training at, and um, you know, I almost almost stayed in San Clemente. And I said, "No, you know what? I kind of miss the city. Not that I had been to L.A., but just like being yeah. in the city." And I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to L.A." And I found. Um, a sober living in LA and I moved up to it and it was an amazing place and I made a, made a lot of good friends and met a lot of good people and got involved in the AA program out here doing that and that was my got a sponsor um, ended up getting a job working so I I actually pretty quickly came came back around and started getting back into a healthy lifestyle I started at this point I was already eating a completely plant-based diet I was actually eating a hundred percent raw vegan diet at this time that I the whole first sobriety I, I was doing that and I got a job working in a um, this hippie vegan health food restaurant and then I got a second job working in another one uh, kind of a, a similar restaurant um, I was going to meetings I was involved in this over living I had was one of the only guy I bought a car like a really cheap thousand dollar car so I was taking people to meetings I was going back and forth to my two jobs at work I was back in the gym I was training I was I was pretty full and then at about, I think it was about six months, I decided to move out of sober living. I got a really good deal on an apartment down in Venice. Yeah. And shortly after that, I was, I was playing soccer for the soccer team. I'm not even a soccer player, but I, I like You're just play. doing, yeah, yeah activities. I, I tell you, I love, when I, when I do any kind of sports, I go, I go big. I don't really have a half speed and I tore my ACL and my meniscus in my knee. That was when that happened. And it really fucked up. I, I, I was doing well in life, but I didn't have enough 
spirituality. I didn't have enough in the bank to keep me sober over with some adversity. Yeah. So I hit this adversity, couldn't work at either one of my jobs, lost both of them, was already out of sober living. So I was living alone. I was kind of started isolating. I couldn't do much. It's a perfect scenario for a total relapse. Yep. And sure enough, that's what happened. And I ended up, you know, down on Skid Row buying dope and... I was, it was a pain in the ass. I was driving to fucking Skid Row by myself from Venice every day trying to cop this shitty ass dope from who knows who. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. I might as well go back to Boston where I at least know where I can get fucking good dope and I have people that I know that I can get high with. And then I can get into back into detox out there eventually. And so that's actually what I did. Wow. I ended up back in Boston. My, I living with my mom. She kicked me out. My brother just had a baby. I remember holding the baby when it was born. I think someone seen me nodding out when I was doing it, so they wouldn't let me around the baby anymore. So I was basically in Boston. This is at 38 years old, fucking strung out on heroin, basically homeless, living on friends' couches, in California clothing, like fucking sweatpants or shorts, and walking around in the middle of winter in the ice on crutches. And then sometimes after I got high, I would go down to a cane because the pain went away a little bit. Walking around on crutches, just... Uh, no insurance, no, fucking completely useless. Getting on a train, taking it into the city to cop dope, and I was, I was just fucking, I was done. That was like the end of the road. Um, and I, and I, I but I knew I needed something. I, I knew I, I knew I had a little bit of hope in me, to be honest with you. I was so like, how'd you, how'd you get back on this train to, to get straight? I mean, like for this time, how this time start? This was this. So it started with insurance. My, I think the Obamacare. Obamacare kicked in. And I was like, fuck yeah. I started making phone calls and I got into a rehab and detox out here in L.A., back here in L.A. And I fucking jumped on a plane and I, and I started my journey. And when I left there, um, I just kind of, I ended up at, at here, yeah. at Rebos, uh, in the sober what, living. And at the what, what happened when you got here? Like, what was the, like, you know, people that are listening right now, they either have a loved one or themselves. They're like... You know, I might not be able to understand completely what you've been through, but I get it of just kind of beating your own, you know, kicking your own ass over and over and over. Because that's kind of what you did. What did you, what was, what did you flip in your head that said, I am not going to lose? It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, you know, he's like, I'm not losing today. And he just, Tom Brady came back and kicked some ass. Because that's kind of like what you had when I first met you. You had a thing in your head that's like, I'm not losing. You know, I wish I had an answer for that because I could just I would I would be a billionaire spreading that fucking answer to everybody and saving lives and having people. You know what I mean? It would be phenomenal. But I, I don't. I, I I can't exactly. I mean, I tr- if I knew, I probably would have done it twenty years earlier. So then, what happened? Is this just a stroke of like you just get like this magic potion put over your head, or what happened? No, definitely not. It's it's hard to say. I I, I was gonna. I had already had. I I was able to try and go to detox. Like I said, I'd been in and out 50, 60 times. So I always had the the ability to say, I need some help. Let's go into somewhere. Somewhere along the lines on this time around after, I don't know if I was old enough. At the, I don't think that's true because young kids again at these days, I started to follow a little, I just followed along. You know what? Let me be honest. This is what, and this isn't, I'm, I'm big into AA and big into the steps, and this probably isn't um, AA that did this for me. But along my, the year, the 10 years that I've been training MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai and boxing, I've learned so much that is 
um, that's in, invalu- invaluable to me. Is that the right word? Invaluable? Mm-hmm. Invaluable to me. Mm-hmm. I've learned that, um, just the discipline I've gotten from it, the dedication, the humility, the respect for other people, for myself, the self-esteem. These, these, little, these little things that I've learned along the way where I weren't able to put them into practice because I was always getting fucked up. I was on methadone or I was fucking still shooting dope or coke, whatever it was. I, had the, I was getting these attributes along the way, but I wasn't able to use them. Well, at some point when I finally got, got into detox, which I was always willing to go into detox and got a, you know, a rehab and got a month sober, and got into a sober living and followed a little bit of suggestions, I was able to take all these other attributes that I had from this, from my my life uh, with my career with, you know, jiu-jitsu and fighting and Muay Thai and put them into play. And that gave me the confidence and the hope and the desire and the, you know, to, to overcome this struggle. That, and with a little bit of that sparked this fire inside of me that just fucking exploded, to be honest with you. That's what most people do. You know, they're able to relate it to it. I used to do that with people. I used to work with a lot of business executives that were trying to get sober, and I would do this. I would relate their business to it. You just did that with your fighting. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And it, there's it with 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 AA and the whole, um, you you know, my will, I, I could never will myself to get sober, right? I, I just couldn't do it. I was like, I'm not going to fucking shoot cocaine tomorrow morning when I wake up. I would wake up in the morning. I'd be like, I'm not getting high today. An hour later, I was fucking shooting cocaine. It was, I just couldn't do it no matter how much willpower I thought I had. But once, once I, so AA and the spirituality kind of helped me along the road with that. Now I'm on, now I'm on this on this, I don't want to get too fucking weird, but I'm on this path where I kind of align myself with the universe and with my higher power, and I do what is what what we we, we have. We're on a path together, right? So, it, um, I use that in my sobriety and staying sober, but I don't use that kind of esoteric, foo-foo way of living in the rest of my life. When it comes to getting out of fucking bed in the morning, getting to the gym, going, um, you know, making my bed, cleaning my house, put getting to the gym and, you know, lifting more weight than I did yesterday or sparring another round than I did yesterday or finding the toughest motherfucker in the gym and, you know, calling him out because I know that's going to make me better, the ass kicking I'm about to take. That shit is, that that shit's been instilled in me uh, over the last 10 years and it's, 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 it's hard to put into words. It's not. It's di- so my. It's paying my, off right now. My career and my life as a as an athlete is kind of a different mindset than my career and my life as a sober member of AA. Yeah. But they work holistically no, together. No, it's paying off for you. Yeah. You're, you're, the marriage of the two for you. Absolutely. It's been fabulous. Absolutely. And then I add in all these other little things like my diet and my you know other passions of mine, and it, and it Just really makes it stronger. Fills in the gaps. Fills in the fucking gaps. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, Jay, what is, what do you think was, what is the number one thing you do on a daily basis that just like, that you would tell to anybody that's like, that keeps you solid? Not everybody is a fighter like you. Not everybody's an athlete like you. Some people just, you know what, they're just drug addicts. They don't have anything else. What, what do you, what do you... What, you know, how do you work with your your clients that you get in the sober living? For so, okay. First of all, I like to I relate I relate to that. I, I treat them with fucking respect. All right. When I, I've been in everything from shitty ass sober livings to or rehabs and treatment centers to, to great ones, and and the people the people there that I've that I've gotten the most out of were people that 
that I related to and that treated me with respect like an equal. Now, just because I treat you with respect and I act like you're equal and I am your equal doesn't mean you're not going to look up to me and look up to the things I'm doing and want to maybe follow them and do them. It, but it, 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 it actually allows you to actually do that. If I treat you like an asshole and talk down to you and tell you you know you're nothing. You're going to bite back. I, yeah, there's no, there's, I, I can't help anybody like that way. Dogs. Plus, it makes my fucking life miserable because I'm at odds with the f- people in my house or the, any newcomer. You're treating them the way them. that you, you would expect to be treated. Yes, the way, uh, having some dignity, having some respect, having people treat you treat you like you want to be treated it makes them like i'm not it's it's there's a fine line between saying i'm friends with the kids in my house Mm -hmm. um because i honestly feel like i am but they they need to understand that i also am there to do a job if we were just a bunch of friends living in a house it'd be a fucking you get around with them though and you laugh yes absolutely so it's a I, i i like to think i I blend that really well. The fact that they know that I'm, you know, I'm here to help them and I have a job to do, but they also know that I'm fucking one of them and I hang out with them and we fucking watch TV and watch movies and I take them to meetings and I take them out to dinner to healthy spots to, you know, and I, you know, they see me doing stuff I love. They see me riding my fucking motorcycle up the coast and coming home with a big smile on my face. They see me buying a new puppy and fucking taking care of it. And actually, the, the biggest thing that I have today that I got through having this spiritual awakening from work in a program is integrity. I live with integrity today. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it when I say I'm going to do it. It's huge. And the fact that I know that when I say I'm going to do something, I always accomplish it makes my life wide open um because i can can, yeah integrity in fact when when i when your so uh your secretary called me and asked me to do this interview i was like just i was like yes i'll do it and then this morning i was like i'll see you monday then this morning she sent me a second email saying just a reminder for the thing i was like i almost took it as an insult i was like i have integrity today (laughs) i sent it back i was like no need for the reminder i said i'll be there i'll be there it's just well no it's it's amazing and people don't realize that in sobriety, it's I, I'm so sick and so tired of people thinking that being sober is just a physical thing you do. You don't drink. You don't do drugs. This is another level. That's what's called the dry drunk to me. You have to have integrity every day. You know, people are always like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. How am I going to do this? How am I not going to do this? I'm like, you know what not to do. I mean, every single decision you make, and you said it in the beginning, it's like, you do the exact opposite of who you were before. Yeah. And that's all you have to do. You don't know what to do. Nobody, I don't, I'm almost 10 years sober. And I, honest to God, I do not know what to do. But I definitely know what not to do. So that equals what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like running a business. I don't know what running a business going into my fifth year of running a business is. But I darn well know what the last five years has taught me. What not to do. <laughs> You know, how to pay people, how not to pay people, what's real, what's not real. And the same thing can be applied to to raising kids, getting sober, losing 20 pounds, gaining 20 pounds, whatever you need to do. Um, We're going to take a quick break and I want to get more into integrity and then um, and then just the success that you've had, how to do it and how you can relate that to others. All right. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We're going to take a quick break, but uh, we're talking with Jay. Um, you can learn more about Jay, our sober living programs that he runs. One of them, he he definitely talks out of the side of your mouth. You definitely talk like you're out of the side of your mouth. But I'll tell you what, the <laughs> clients listen to you. 
They really do. You have tremendous success with them. Um, I just, I love what you do with the clients and how you meet them really where they're at. You get down in that hole with them and you meet them where they are at. Um, and you've been able to protect yourself um, so well during that time. So you can go to rebostreatment.com and find out more about uh, our sober livings and what Jay does. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs, it's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. Um, We've had a we've had a heck of a segment. The last couple people, Jay, that I've had on doing the show, doing client files, have been um, have been doozies. You know, I'm watching these kids come in here, and they have 90 days or less, and just the stories. These just young girls, young guys coming in here, and it's just been um, it's been bone rattling to listen to them, and just the 
what they think is a good idea at this early stage. And it's just, I mean, as we were saying in the last segment, we don't know what to do tomorrow. We, we don't. I mean, you're, th- you're almost three years sober. I'll have 10 years of sobriety come June. But we don't know what's going on tomorrow. We plan for the future, though. You know, that's what our goal is. I mean, you're in my office every freaking day telling me, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? You're always thinking for the future, but you're always weighing, you know, your future plans on what you don't know. And it's the one thing that I see with people, and it's just not in sobriety. It's in it's in any walk of life. It's their, their narrow vision. It's just their vision that is, it's, I call it peephole vision. It's like literally you're looking through the peephole of a door. And one thing that you have just done very well since, you know, that you've gotten straight is, and I think it really is a true blessing. You were laid up because of your knee surgery for three months. Literally, just you said every time I came over to the sober living house to see you, you were laid up. And I think it, um, I think it was like, it, it kind of clipped your feathers, probably in a really good way. I mean, you got up to go do what you had to do, but, I mean, it cut your mobility down by 80%. Sure. And I think it saved your ass. Do you think, I mean, yeah. do you think you could, do you think you'd have the success that you have right now in sobriety and with life if you didn't have that? I mean, you ran hot, man. I yeah. mean, people could tell by this whole conversation, you still run hot. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to say, but I'll. Tell I mean, you, it is the what if world. I get it, yeah. but the the p it it's weird. It gave. I look at like what you just said. And I'm not to cut you off. What happened to you, like getting laid up with your knee, happened to me because I had my wallet taken away, and I know it's not the same, but eighty percent of what I would normally do, I couldn't do because I literally had no Nothing. money. You literally could not move. I mean, so it's kind of like you're being clipped two different ways from not being able to do things. Granted, one's a physical injury, and I'm not trying to compare not having a dime to to a physical injury and the, the just the physical pain you went through. But that's how I I personally am relating it right now. Yeah, and not obviously not everyone's gonna go through a surgery in their early recovery to have to sit out and do it. You, you which is a, which is I mean, you had to do it. Yeah, so it turned out to be a blessing for me. But you definitely, I could definitely have done it with without it. I'm sure it just my journey may have looked differently. Um, that with that, I love how you said, I kind of was laughing at myself when you talked about the peephole. Um, people have that because yeah. I spent, when I was smoking crack and shooting cocaine, I spent a lot of fucking time looking through a peephole. Well, that's what it is. You're know not I mean? looking at the thing. It's yeah, like, so why do I want to still be looking through a fucking peephole now that I'm, you know, now that I'm sober, now that I'm free, now that I'm not tied down to fucking whatever it is? And I don't. So I, so in the, in the beginning, in that, when I was stuck in that, in that injury, I learned, and it was difficult, because I didn't have it through the first, when I was actually in it, but I learned this peace of mind. I got this serenity and this calmness, and it didn't just come by just having the surgery and doing nothing. It came by, I was still getting myself to therapy every day. I was still going to AA meetings every day. I was still reading the big book. I was still working with my sponsor. I was doing all this stuff that was actually working on myself internally right working on my mind and i wasn't just doing it and then distracting myself by going out and playing this and running around and doing this i was doing the work and then just fucking sitting with myself because there was nothing else i could do and over the course of the three months of doing that i actually learned some serenity i actually quieted the fucking noise in my head that i could never ever ever quiet in the past i think that honest to god you know one of the things that i had learned 
in my early sobriety was I I I clipped my own wings on on a numerous levels. I could go out and go do stuff, you know, at certain points in my treatment, but I said no. I only went to AA meetings and I only and I only went with like staff. I didn't trust myself and I took my I had my wallet take it away from me. Um and it was I I kicked him on about it and then it turned out to be brilliant because I was forced to do two different things. One um, was to sit by myself all the time. I literally had to be okay with every thought that came in my head because what I what I didn't know then but I know now in the, what I try to preach to people is your emotions take you out. Which your emotions is a mental thing, which if your emotions get the better of you, can turn into a physical action, a physical craving for drugs or alcohol, or a physical action to actually get into a car and drive to go get that, or to go hook up with an old boyfriend, an old girlfriend, to go do something really stupid. Um, and to me, that saved my butt. Yeah. I look at what happened to me now. Well, let me ask you this. Just one sober dude do another sober dude. I crave that mind frame that I had at about four months of sobriety because at least the four months that I had, then I wouldn't, you know, there's some people at four months that it's like, it's like might as well be four days of sobriety. But I had such a determination to be a different person that like you, yeah, I mean, there was still a thing of just like, yeah, I was on fire then too. Yeah. It's like, I want to just kill it. And at 10 years, you know, at almost 10 years, it's like, it's just like anything else. It kind of, you take a little dip. I'm actually doing, um, I'm, I'm coming on 10 years, like I've said a thousand times during this course of this conversation. But I'm doing the steps again. I'm trying to get back to that mind frame that I had before. I think it is it's a personal growth that you need to do. It's like repainting your house. It's like it's a fresh new paint, call it code on it. The, exactly. The, when I about right off four months, once I had been sitting doing nothing for about three months and my, I was finally getting through my physical therapy and I was able to start training again at four months and I had already sat and done some work and sat with myself. I was on fire. I was ready to fucking get out there and start doing stuff. And then, and that does kind of go up and down. And it's funny that you mentioned that. I'm actually on Wednesday. I'm going in to have shoulder surgery. I injured my shoulder, and I haven't been able to do anything for the last couple months. And I'm gonna have shoulder surgery. I'm gonna have to sit and do nothing for the next couple months. And hopefully that'll, you know, teach once again reset my mind and teach me to sit with myself and put me back on fire for this program and life and 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 wanting to get back out there and restart my MMA career and re. You know, go go do new shit and start. New what are you going to so. do to keep yourself motivated? Because, I mean, yeah, you're. It's not like having a leg where you can't just. I mean, yeah, I mean, getting your shoulder is a total pain in the butt, but it's not going to make it so you can't walk somewhere easily. Um, I mean, you could jump in your car, you could do certain things. Yeah. But, I mean, what are you going to do to keep it from your head getting the better of you? I'll stay busy as much as I can and stay active. Look, to be honest with you, I going back to my job and working at the sober living. I I love doing that. I I it doesn't even seem like a job to me. I You're almost good feel guilty it. taking a paycheck for it. To be honest with you, sometimes because it's just well, my life. I, I, I can fix that right now. I, we can take just, a break and I can call. And we can take care of that. On the other side, I realized how make good my I monthly, am. Make my monthly bills. Maybe I'll be another better. pain at times. Um, no, but so I, I I actually love it. Really, it, it just integrates well with my life. I feel like I, I'm I'm fucking good at it. It comes natural. It comes easy, and I love 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 to inspire 
uh, other people to, to be better versions of themselves. I have the same thing at my gym. When I'm at the gym training, I'm always kind of the, you know, the, well, senior in age, but also in, you know, how long I've been training experience. and how much experience member at the gym. And I, people, that's people, what senior people call it experience. They, yeah, exactly. They, people look up to me and people see this 42 year old man at the gym training fucking harder than they are when they're 23 years old. And it inspires them to show up every day and get there. This, you know, I have this young kid who's my main training partner, um, up and coming MMA fighter, 24, 25 years old, I think now. And he's out and he out, goes out and drinks on the weekend and then he misses Monday's training session maybe or he's kind of slow and that be and he looks at me and i'm fucking literally almost twice his age and i'm in there going hard every single day you know twice a day if i can and it inspires people and then um you know that's just a snowball effect you know everybody sees everybody working harder and then they start to work harder it works that way in the sober living it works that way in my gym it works that way everywhere in life people see the way i eat and how great i feel by doing it now, i don't force my diet on people and my diet's kind of extreme but people it, it encourages people to maybe start drinking a little more water and less coffee. Maybe, you know, make little changes. And I love the fact that I can even plant little seeds and make little changes in people's people's lives. Yeah. It, it really, it really um, fulfills me. Yeah. It does. No, it sounds like it does. It sounds like it's what needs to be done on a daily basis in order for you to have what you want. And I think it comes down to the integrity that you spoke of earlier. Um, and I think it speaks of what not to do. Um, you know, what not to do, no, it's not what not to do, it's it's knowing what not to do and accepting, you know, is is the right thing to do, because if you don't know what to do, what, it's like my wife, I, I don't know, I don't know what to do when it, when it comes to be, a, you know, a married man, but I just, I do know what not to do, I know what keeps it going, I know what makes her mad, I know what makes her happy. So just keep that up. Um, and if you do mess up, I mean, that's, I think, the next thing I'd like to chat about is... I don't mess up. Sorry. Well, Christ. No, <laughs> oh, my God. You just keep talking smack the whole time. You can keep doing whatever you want to keep doing. You just walk on water here. Look at me. I'm just going to... Look at how great I am. I eat a vegan plant diet and blah, blah, blah. And I work out twice a day. And look at my six-pack. My name's Jay. Blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> Jay, you and I, we've, we've had a pretty good relationship. We're busting each other's chops on a, quite quite a few levels, and it's a mutual race back, back and forth. But, you know, one of the things that you do is you are a survivor of what of this whole thing. And I watch you with people. And it's to be able to do the job that you do on a daily basis for as long as you have, the burnout rate is like 99% in like in less than a year. I mean, it really is. I remember when I, when you first put me. I in told you that. I was you like, "You're like, crazy." You're like, "We're gonna put some. We're gonna ease you in slowly. I'm gonna ease you in slow. Everyone else is burned out so quick." I'm like, "Russ, I, I, this is great. I I first it connected with me. I, I I liked it. So yeah, I mean, it's a gnarly. It's gnarly. You've got people coming in at hours of sobriety. I mean, forty eight hours, seventy two hours of sobriety, and they are, they are a they're a different animal. And for you to be able to keep it that tight all the time, I mean, granted, you, you definitely get your feathers ruffled at times, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Uh, you'd be a droid if you didn't. But just to keep it, like, you know, just to keep your mental focus so spot on all the time is such a, I don't know, you make me look really good. 
I mean, you do. You make me look really good. The success rating in that house for, for relapse is through the roof. It really is. You take the average of all of them, it's unbelievable. It really is. It really is. Yeah, we've created something special over there, and I think it's, you know, it it, start, no. it probably starts with me, and then There's it runs no off way. on the clients, you and then they created spread something it with special. each other. You created something special. I mean, it really is. I dread the day that you're going to come in and say, you know what, i got to move on. I dread it. I absolutely dread it. I know it's going to happen, but I dread it. That is what it is, because uh, you're you're just you're going to have to move on. I mean, it is. I mean, it's just for you in order to grow as a as a as a person. You're just going to have to at some point. What do you you know? We we've got we've got a couple minutes left um, in the you know in the show today. What's your advice for people that that just mess up? You know, they they're trying. They're you know they're they're up to bat again, and they keep swinging. And they're just not connecting to get, you know, they'll get 90 days, but it, I mean, they're a half a thought away from a real, from just a total nightmare. Yeah. What, what's your advice? There's a couple of things. One will be stay open-minded, right? It, it, my, my coach says, and this relates to everywhere in life, but he says it for fighting. You win some, you learn some, right? You, you don't lose as long as you learn from the experience, right? So if you're, as long as you're open-minded and you realize you fucked up and you don't do that same exact thing over again and fuck up again and again and again, then you, then it's a, then it's a positive experience. You start to change it and be willing to actually make changes. The other thing is have hope, have inspiration, have people that whatever it is that inspires you i have i have a whole page on my phone of inspirational quotes that i read on a daily basis i, do too. I watch inspirational videos those those things i sat here before the five minutes before we went on and i watched an inspirational video that shit gets me going it gives me hope and it lets me know that i can be so I can set the bar so fucking high and I can actually get to it. And every once in a while, I set, I put the bar on the floor and I step over and I feel successful because I accomplished something. You know what I mean? But I, I'm always striving to be better and I'm always willing to make changes if I do something wrong. And I'm always willing to stay open-minded and try new things that I have no idea if they're going to work or not. You know what? And I think, you know, if people are looking for somebody to look up to, I think you're a great person for it. I Thank really you. do. If they don't know what to believe in, go, look at that guy. That guy was a total, and I say this with a ton of love and a ton of respect, but you were a, you were a total mess. You just confessed it to millions of people all across the world just now on this radio show. Um, hi, Mom. Yeah, hi, Mom. <laughs> anyway, Jay, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Um, you know, Jay's top-notch, and it's an honor to have you here. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to uh, my Twitter page, you can, which is Ross for me. Um, you can find us at rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. Uh, you can find more about our sober, our amazing houses we have and our incredible program. Appreciate you joining us today for another episode of Client Files. Um, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 